Hi, and welcome to episode six of DRS Top Picks. My name is Scott Vassilotti. And I'm Mr. Spooky number one, Ryan Kite, with... Ooh, Drew Martin. And today we're joined by a very special guest. He's going to introduce himself. I'm Jason Wolf. All right. So thank you all so much for joining us on uh, DRS Top Picks. It is the season. It is October 1st. We are very excited. We have our pumpkins painted or carved. We have our spoopy decorations out in our yards. We are amped up for Halloween, some of us more than others. And it's tough not to get into the Halloween spirit, you know, in October with it being 94 degrees outside. (laughs) There's nothing that says Halloween like 94 degrees. It says like you're actually in hell than having mid summer temperatures. (laughs) I love just sweating. Thank you, Summer, for sticking around a little bit longer. Golly, you aren't kidding. But it's still nice to look around, see all of the leaves changing on the trees you're getting a little bit of that cool wind from time to time some of that haunting fog in the mornings <laughs> i'm just i'm forcing it this season i'm like halloween is happening i'm gonna make it happen Drew walks out with a scarf and a and a pumpkin spice latte it's fall damn it it's fall. well i wanted to sit down with everyone today and go over our favorite seasonal halloween movies uh i think that for some of us like i said more than others halloween means a lot and in my household i know it was a very very special thing where mom would get out the decorations and get the whole house all she had like a uh, candy dish that would grab your hand. Uh, <laughs> it was like a hand that would grab you. She just went all out on it. And I think that uh, Halloween spirit rubbed off on me. And so with that in mind, I wanted to uh, talk today about our favorite seasonal Halloween movies. And I'll start with my number one pick. And that is a movie that I saw in early college called Shaun of the Dead. It is from a very special creative team of Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and the director whose name I'm blanking on, but I'll remember later, Edgar Wright. Uh, So if you haven't seen it, it's a movie that basically satirizes every other zombie movie. But what it really does better than almost any other movie that I've seen in terms of style and editing is just use creative jump cuts and use inferences and use double entendres and every scene is just jam-packed with little references and nods to other movies. It's definitely a horror buffs kind of movie and aside from all of that it's outright hilarious. Uh, Ryan I think you remember when we were in community college and we threw a big uh, Cross campus Halloween party, and we screened that movie. Yes, we did. For... It was absolutely amazing. Awesome. Uh, we had uh, full creative control. I think the school actually gave us a lot more power than we should have had. So much <laughs> negligence <laughs> happening. Just wow. two, uh, two dopes in charge of the uh, advocate, the uh, local paper and stuff, and they were like, What do you guys like? Have, have fun. Here's a budget for no reason. And what do you all want to do with it? Uh, order lots of Papa John's and throw parties, is the answer. And <laughs> we, we screened Shaun of the Dead, and people lost their ever-loving minds. There was so positive a response to that movie, and it's hard not to just get caught up in kind of the giddiness of that movie. It moves so quickly. It's so fast and rapid pace and, like I said, outright funny. The performances in it are top-notch. Everything about that movie just encapsulates the spirit for me. Um, it, It just is something that I need to see around the the fall season for things to really kick off but i don't know do I, does anyone else have strong feelings about that movie i, I thought it was like it's i'll i'll say this for, for when it comes to halloween and and scary movies or halloween themes movies i'm not the biggest fan of them um so i don't watch a lot of scary movies or anything like that but when it comes to Shaun of the dead i thought it, that one was was like pretty funny and simon Pegg is is Terrific. There's no doubt about that. It's not my favorite genre movie, um, but that one, if I had to pick, I'm, I'm, I, that's a good pick. That's a solid pick. But they actually had like a lot of, uh, like you were getting at the uh, tight editing that they did in there. There was a few times when you're just jumping. You're like, oh man, this has actually got some pretty frightening scenes and all that stuff because, not giving too much away, but at one point in time, we kind of end up at a certain uh, location. 
where it's getting overrun by a bunch of zombies and stuff, and it's like, you know, windows are being bashed in, doors are being knocked in, and all that stuff, and you're like, I feel like this movie just changed gears on me. Like, I was having a great time, and now I'm like, yeah. oh, no, are we going to do okay? Are we going to be all right? But, but, but then you're treated to a wonderful segment of zombie bashing to the tune of Don't Stop Me Now by yeah. Queen. Don't so <laughs> it's a tightrope walk. Jason, what's your uh, first pick? My first pick is going to be, I cannot go in October without watching Night of the Demons. Mm. It's my all-time favorite movie. Um, it was the very first horror movie I ever saw. Actually, the very first scene I ever saw was Angela's dance and when she kisses Stooge and rips his tongue out. And I was like seven years old. And I was like, is this how people kiss? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> so, um, but I'd seen bits of it over my childhood because I would my mom would stop me from watching it every every time I would catch certain clips. So, uh, but yeah, and um, it's uh, so I usually try to watch that one on actually Halloween because mm. it's on Halloween. It's just yeah. a fun party movie. Um, but this year they're actually showing it at the Alamo. Um, on the 29th. So oh, is there a theme party or is there No, it's just they're showing oh, okay, it. okay, just showing and it. This will be, uh, I'm getting like chills just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> this will be my first time seeing it on the big screen. And wow. So it's really important to me. As soon as I found out, I bought tickets immediately over the weekend. Yeah. I was just like, girlfriend, we're going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Honey, I got uh, date night covered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to surprise um, you and then mess it up. Just say, dress nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I love comedy and I love um, comedy horror and I love like B-80s horror movies that are just, yep. <laughs> they weren't supposed to be comical, but they are and you can just sit and laugh with them with a group of friends and love it at the same time. Yeah. So, and Night of the Demons is definitely one of those and you can just, party with it they're having a party you can party and it's just one of my favorite films do you my end up uh, appreciating it like a whole different level uh years after having seen it originally you know do you uh kind of go back and look at it and you're like oh man there's like all these little things that they wrote into it or i'm realizing how bad the production was <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it makes you like find a whole new depth to appreciate yeah. the movie at this point in time you find a new fondness for it all over i find again. little details like um I never noticed it for the longest time, but it's like when Angela is Angela herself at the beginning of the movie, she has a cross earring. I never realized that when she becomes the demon, it flips upside down. It inverts. Just weird little things yep. like that, you know? Yep. It's just yep. wild to see. And just <laughs> compared to when I first saw it, you're just understanding that that's not how people kiss. And <laughs> some of the other references. <laughs> Stressing that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, stuff like that, yeah, but I just I love that movie, and I cannot go a season without seeing it. Awesome. All right, so I'm going to, I'll save my pick number three, and I'm going Hocus Pocus. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> and it's, how, how you said it's like a party movie, I feel like every Halloween party we have been to in the last several years, Drew, Ryan, and I, that movie is just, just on. And it's, it's on in my house, I feel like, all the time in October, and because my wife loves it so much. But... Um, again, I'm not a huge scary movie guy, but this is one of the first movies that I saw as a kid that was like a Halloween kind of scary type of movie, and it did scare me, uh, <laughs> because I get scared of like everything. Um, but some of the music in there was really good. Bette Midler, like, she crushed it. Yeah. She, <laughs> she, so she killed it. See, she, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy yes. Najimy, everyone yeah. in that movie, and was it Doug Jones who played the, the zombie, the zombie in it? I think it might have been. It's yes. incredible. Everyone. But the, but the cast is, is, is great. And like I said, the music was good, and it does really put you in the, the spirit for, for Halloween. It really does. And I remember when I was a kid, as it, as it scared me, um, I was at Video Box, which was a, was like a video rental store in Damascus, yep. and I was a little kid, and I'm in there, and I saw this mom was talking to her, her daughter, and her daughter wanted to rent the movie. And her mom said to her, like, Are you, well, is this scary? And then I chimed in, and I was like, yes, it's very scary. <laughs> and then my mom walked over and was like, it's not scary. <laughs> which, which was just my mom basically telling that mom that I was a wimp. <laughs> and I get scared of everything. Um, 
But that was that was my hocus pocus story, and uh, so that was my pick number three. It's 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 a movie that has only grown in popularity over the years. I feel like it's really exploded over the last couple of years. Disney is merchandising it. Yeah. They have a couple of shows during their fall festivities that focus on the sisters and. My wife is going to be mad at me for not being able to remember their name. Sanderson sisters. Sanderson sisters. Thank you. It's just something that has only grown, and I think it's mostly a nostalgia thing. Yeah, but also, it's absolutely. a it's a good it's a good action packed romp. Yeah. yeah, and it's not too long. Like my like one request from filmmakers these days is, can we get back to the ninety minute films? Like I love it so much when I'm just I can sit down watch a movie and not be like, oh, I need to get up. My legs are asleep afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Martin Scorsese and Quentin, Tarant- Tar- Quentin Tarantino are going to come down here and be like, no, Ryan, that's not how art works. <laughs> the movie just got a little bit longer. <laughs> that's one of my highlights for, like, 80s movies. You know, as you know, it's probably 78 to 88 minutes. Yep, so so <laughs> I can pull one off my shelf without really having to check the runtime on a weekday. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Did, there's a reason why we got those movies originally. They were only one VHS tape. Yeah. Not like a double pack or something like that. You know, like Braveheart was back in the day. I think they just celebrated the last year, I think it was, or early this year. Was it the 20th? anniversary of Hocus so. Pocus because I remember leaving work at lunch and running to Best Buy to pick up the exclusive steel book before it sold out <laughs> yeah so Not it's bad. actually I've been waiting I've been holding off I was like I'm gonna watch it in October so that's oh, actually yeah, on nice. my list for this month so alright Ryan um, how about your pick number three well, I was gonna add one last thing uh, the one film that uh, Jesse and I can watch together that's related to this uh, season is Hocus Pocus. And it's just so nice because it has all those wonderful elements to it. It holds up so well. I love it. And I was asking her before I came over here, like, what movies would she choose and all that stuff. And her list consisted of Hocus Pocus. And I was like, surely there must be something else in your mind. And she's like, drawing a blank here, drawing a blank here. Like, all right, honey, what about my pick? You're telling me she didn't want to pick what was, what did we just watch that she loved? Uh, oh, uh, Tales from the Hood Part Two. Oh, oh my absolutely. god, absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> I think she joined up with the gang because of that movie. You know, so <laughs> career change in life. You know. So what's your number? What's your number three? So my number three is uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Uh, this goes back to my appreciation for uh, some of my favorite things, which is. 90-minute films, because attention deficit <laughs> disorder is a real thing. Uh, just can't sit down for a long time. I love comedies, uh, specifically slapstick comedies, growing up on The Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy and all that stuff. And Leslie Nielsen is uh, in this film as Dracula after he just bought some uh, real estate. And so he's kind of getting to know the lay of the land as he's been introduced to the local village of where he purchased uh, property. And... It's okay, that's a great summation. What goes in the deeper ends of it is that you also have Mel Brooks uh, directing it, so you have all of his uh, comedy touches to the film and everything. One of my favorite scenes to this day is when uh, they have to uh, stake one of the ladies that have been turned in the night, and uh, they walk up and they're trying to pass back and forth who's actually going to do the staking, <laughs> stand over her do the staking, and just a fountain of blood <laughs> goes all over the place. Like, it kind of comes off as, like, a family guy joke these days, I guess, you know? Like, yeah. Comically, she's, like, you know, writhing and stuff. And I assure you, it's not a terrible scene, but it's just, oh, do it again! And then he gets further behind a barricade, and he does it again. More bloods are running. <laughs> the movie has everything. I mean, I, I loved, uh, you know... Uh, Every kind of gag they had in there was there's there's physical comedy there's you're gonna remember the guy's name uh, the uh, servant that was in Ghostbusters that has kind of like a, a Weasley face oh Rick Moranis uh, not Rick Moranis uh, he was the one that was converted I think it was like the second or the third one he was in the oh, oh 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 uh, uh, Peter oh I literally just looked him up today yeah uh, yeah. yeah he was in Ally McBeal yeah yeah and he's yep. in the film and he actually turns crazy at one point in time uh, trying to help out you know Dracula Leslie Nielsen stuff and one of the running gags is just that he gets thrown into a mental hospital keeps escaping but every time he gets thrown back in they're like and give him an enema like just over and over <laughs> <laughs> that, you know a lot of you know humor on the side and everything one of my favorite films growing up nice wow all right, Drew, what about you? What's your uh, pick number two? Okay, so my next one is going to be the timeless classic Labyrinth. It's not necessarily a Halloween movie or anything like that. It is 
for my money, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. When I saw Labyrinth as a kid, I was in my cousin's basement. He put it on. I think this happened to a lot of kids. You see, you're, you're kind of like set into this false sense of security by the opening of the film. And then out of the clear blue, you have Jennifer Connelly screaming at this baby. <laughs> and then you have a closet full of goblins conspiring to steal the baby. I lost it. I ran out of the basement. It still is something that I think about at nighttime. If I'm walking around the house, I think about that creepy closet full of goblins. The design by Brian Froud is so at, at equal parts cute and horrific. Mm -hmm. It's such great puppetry. I'm obsessed with Jim Henson. Uh, I absolutely adore Brian Froud's creative work between that and The Dark Crystal. But there's so much in that movie, and it has so much heart, and it has a really good message to it, I think, about... You know, it's it's a coming-of-age story. It's yeah. about this young woman realizing that life isn't fair and you have to assert yourself, but you also have to, like, temper your expectations and you can't just get frustrated at all your problems. <laughs> and, and, and Bowie, David Bowie, oh my goodness. just perfect for that role. And yeah. and yeah. The, the songs that he sings, it's really great. The making-of featurette is absolutely incredible to watch uh, for that movie because you just see that the sets look like Swiss cheese with all the puppets sticking out of it. But then they have David Bowie in the studio recording these songs, and he had perfect pitch, and he tosses off these songs effortlessly. He's smoking in the studio while singing <laughs> Dance Magic, oh, Dance Magic Dance, like... Another sign of the 80s. <laughs> Brian, Brian realized that he actually was from this world that he created. Like, it was some other, you know, a, like alien being or something like that. You know? Yeah, and you, talk, you think about that movie. We were talking earlier about nuance and small things that you notice, the devil being in the details there. And that movie is rife with yeah. small things. Every corner that you look in, someone thought meticulously about the design of that film. The... The designs themselves are incredible. There are some really cool, surreal moments. Um, and it just had this... It's its resonated with me. I mean, from the moment I saw that movie, I was obsessed with it. And I would always run out during that goblin closet scene. But after that, I was okay sure. with it. And I would just keep revisiting that film over the years. And it became something that my wife and I share together. We both have an abiding love for fantasy and for puppetry, and that movie became something really important between us. And the, our first dance at our wedding was that ballroom yeah. scene song. It was As the World Falls Down. And I don't know how you pulled off dressing up like David Bowie in that scene. The cod piece <laughs> really, really sealed the deal. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's just it's a movie that has a deep emotional resonance with me, which is weird because it's full of fart jokes and David Bowie and a cod piece. But it's it's phenomenal. Well, it's a powerful movie from the '80s. I mean, it's one of those those trinity of those movies is you know dark crystal never ending story and labyrinth they all just have this creepy depressing factor but also light yeah. and and it's just they're lovable and they're just i think it's a really good pick because you got the masquerade and the goblins so i agree that it's a good watch for halloween or the month goes with that and it's a really good point that you made there is that you know what else was going on in the box office right then it was machoism and all that stuff you know like a lot of these action films mm -hmm. of that time that were celebrating like Conan the Barbarian and everything else you know? <laughs> but then you have these films that are just like you know visual novel experiences and all that stuff like yeah you know, I think it was best surmised in uh uh, um, uh never ending story when it's like you know I'm gonna read you a book and everything opens up and everything you know and you're just like yeah that is absolutely what I need to be seeing yeah you know, as compared to you know I know, I mean, it's not like they punch camels in those movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and my second pick is going to be Return of the Living Dead. I can, I mean, I watch that year-round anyway, but <laughs> it's got to be on my list of 31 movies throughout October. Um, I don't really have a designated spot for it, but it just has to be watched at some point. Um, kind of the same thing as with Night of the Demons. I love it because it's just, it's comical, like ridiculously comical in so many aspects. The cast is just incredible. Um, 
it's zombies, um, all sorts. Uh, they all look different you know, due to budgeting and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> budgeting issues. And uh, I just love the whole aesthetic of the movie and especially the characters. Um, they like Linnea Quigley's character, um, all of their character. Like, I love punk rock music. I used to be into punk stuff. I'm still into like a lot of punk music and goth music and death rock and all that. So, the movie's like aesthetic and the soundtrack just really resonates with me. I carry it on my phone. <laughs> it's my do ring. You? My ringtone is "Do you want to party?" <laughs> <laughs> God forbid I ever forget to mute that at work. <laughs> and the, uh, the answer is always yes. Yeah. Is always yes. yes. <laughs> so I, I do I, want to party. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, the, this is this is terrible to admit. My brother would be so disappointed in me because he's a horror buff. But I only just caught up with Return of the Living Dead. I'd seen snippets of it on television over the years, and the thing that I found watching it nowadays is just how how bleak it is and how it just does not care. It's almost nihilistic. Mm -hmm. Like that movie just does not care at all. Like here here's a bunch of teenagers and you know they're 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 trapped in this mortuary you know you have like dancing the, naked with fire and that, yeah yeah and then, hold then, on like, hold on I like the sound of this <laughs> oh it's the dance sequence is particularly good the graveyard dance sequence but like I think my favorite line from the movie was uh, the one zombie getting a hold of the CB radio oh yes send more paramedics <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, it's and then without spoiling anything the whole end of the film is just a big dark like it's it's not yeah. a positive message as um comical as it is um intentionally and unintentionally because it's one of those ones again you can watch with a group of friends and you can laugh at like the acting or like some of the budget or, you know or then there's like actual jokes and everything but there are some really creepy things that really stuck with me as a child that were i just carried through like i didn't know what the movie was as a child but then when i got older you know i figured out what the movie was and found the images, you know, and I was like, oh my God, this is that movie. I love it. And mm -hmm. it was just really say, good. Did you ever say like, maybe I shouldn't have watched that as a child. And you're yeah. always like, no, nah, I definitely shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, do I like to party? Yes, I do. <laughs> All right, so my second pick is Ernest Scared Stupid. Woo, yeah. And, yeah. and again, <laughs> scary movies, not my thing, but Ernest was funny. So, and it was Halloween themed. So, so I liked it. Um, the movie is just fun to watch. And actually, the troll in that movie is, like, terrifying. Holy As a kid, that, that troll is actually, like, terrifying. The one scene when the little girl is in her bed and she rolls over and it's just a close-up of the troll... That scared the heck out of me as, like, a child. With, like, the snot hanging out, the giant nose and everything else, I was like, there's nothing about this I want to see. Look, if Ernest was scared stupid as a kid, I was scared out of my absolute gourd. Like, yeah. it, that was awful for me. But Ernest just, I love how he would how he would talk to the audience to the move, in the movie, and it was just so funny. And um, I also love whenever he's trying to defeat the troll, and... A great line. He, he's in his car and he's about to run over the <laughs> run over the troll in his car, and it's just one of the greatest lines in cinema. It goes, "How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips?" <laughs> and I really think that's up there with like the Godfather's. I made him an offer he couldn't refuse, and and it's for for greatest moments and uh, greatest lines in uh, cinema. Oh man, it's amazing! I just I could hear Jim Varney's delivery of that <laughs> line. Like, how about a bumper sandwich, bugger lips? And the whole time he's yelling at his dog. I'll, I'll never forget the name. Rimshot. 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 Come out here and help me. And then the thing that he does afterwards, where he's always like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so it's so cheesy, but it was just so funny. And as like a little kid, it just it was so great to watch. I also love how uh, love is what they end up having to use to defeat the monster. So it was, no, no offense if I, or sorry if I spoiled it for people, but, you know, love. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Someone at home right now is just so mad. I'm only halfway done with the movie. I haven't watched it in forever. And, well, now I don't have to. <laughs> and, that, uh, um, and also another like weapon that they used was milk. And Drew, what did he end up calling milk again? He looks at the container. He's like, what's meak? <laughs> I think he like mistranslates it. Like, meak. <laughs> Potentially a little illiterate. But yeah. 
So my second pick was uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. And uh, Rye, what's yours? Uh, going on to mine, I uh, really appreciate yours because I grew up on Ernest films yeah. and what classics. How uh, does it rank? Uh, out of all of them? Yeah. Uh, there's like 12. There's 12, but I think uh, Ernest Goes to Camp is number one. Uh, Ernest Scared Stupid is probably number two. Then Ernest Goes to Jail is probably three. Those what, probably yeah. what about Saves Christmas? Uh, Christmas was saved by other people, you know, it was... <laughs> oh my god. I'm just saying. <laughs> Ernest, rest in peace, brother. I love all your work, what can I say? Uh, uh, now that he'll be haunting me this uh, <laughs> Halloween season, I can't wait to see that. Uh, oh, Wake he... up, Brian, it's Marty. <laughs> Hanging out with the trolls, he's gonna lead him right to my house. This is actually really terrifying. I ate all your candy. <laughs> Give me some meat. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of scary things, uh, I am into scary films uh, that usually come by way of uh, my brother Spencer or my cousin Alex, <coughs> and uh, every once in a while I go on Netflix like other brave souls and I say, well, what about a recommendation? And uh, this movie came up called Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and I looked at the runtime and I was like, I can definitely do that. I have an hour and a half to spare, and this film just grabbed hold of me and just ran with my imagination. So, present in the film is every trope in horror, in the horror genre. You know, you have your cute girls, your, you know, your college kids going away to party for a weekend, uh, your hicks from up in the hills that uh, seem like they're going to be the uh, bad guys. But then the film actually decides to completely flip it on you and make the hillbillies the good guys and the college kids the bad guys. And... The way they do it is just a complete classic. Uh, don't really want to get into it because I guess the film is within the last like eight, nine years and people still probably haven't seen it. Or Longer than that, actually. Really? That, I think that came out in like, I want to say aught three or aught four. Yeah. That's the way I like to say <laughs> stuff from the 2000s. But it's it came out about the same time as Shaun of the Dead. And what's interesting, because I just rewatched it oh, on okay. a flight. Yeah. And apparently the movie. 2010. Was it 2010? All right. I was off by six years. IMDb for the win. Yeah, but still. Don't ask me if I just edited that before we came. Still a (laughs) nine-year-old film. And uh, what's interesting is that, like, people pirated that movie so much they couldn't find a distributor who wanted to take it because it would have been a net loss. Like, everyone had already seen it. It got passed around like crazy. I think I was reading on that actual IMDb page today that they said that it was actually shelved for three years. Like, it actually was just eventually like, all right, you know what? Just throw it out there see what happens. And I think it became a cult classic because I talk to people and I'm like, what movies do you watch to get in the mood? And Dale, I always call it Dale and Tucker, but I know it's Tucker and Dale. Sorry, guys. But it always comes up as like a film that people pay attention to because it's so sharp, it's witty, it's hilarious. Yeah, there's a few like scary scenes and all that stuff, so you might have to like tell some of the more sensitive audiences like to be mindful. But it does not hold punches when it comes to like throwing all those tropes on their ear, and I really appreciate that. I, th- I think there are a couple of really big performances there, specifically Alan Tudyk. Yes. Just his haplessness in that movie. And he's great in everything that he does. Everything Alan Tudyk is just absolutely phenomenal. For those who watch Firefly, he played the Wash character, and he voices a bunch. He voices everyone nowadays in Disney films. Death at a funeral, like his death at a funeral. Of all that's time. right. Tripping Children on stay a roof. away from drugs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, see that film. If you need a reason not to do them. <laughs> and I, I don't know the guy who plays the uh, who plays uh, Tucker. In the yeah. Movie, the, uh, uh, excuse my term here, but a little heavier said gentleman. Yeah. Uh, he actually is my favorite character. Oh, he's amazing. He's the one that has like the very compassionate heart that's trying to rationalize things that are going on because <laughs> you know the college kids because i said it was flipped they're kind of all right i'll get into it a little bit they end up offing themselves around them and these they're kind of kids like, keep throwing themselves <laughs> in my wood chipper but it just comes down to like all these deaths are happening around them and it's these two and especially tucker that's like the one that's you know putting his emotions behind things trying to figure things out and you know between the two of them a resolution uh, comes to fruition, you know, so it, you absolutely must see it. No, it's a great, great, yes. great pick. Jason, do you have any, uh, are you a fan of that movie? I am. It's been a while since I've watched it. Um, I did pick it up recently on Blu-ray, so I'll be watching it this month. Um, 
but it is definitely one of those. It seems like I'm in a lot of horror groups and stuff, and it doesn't come up often. But when it does, like the comments just light up, you know, that comes out of the woodwork, and everyone's just like, "It's great, it's great," you know. Yeah. So I love that movie. It's um, one of the, definitely one of the top ones as far as the horror comedies, like Shaun of the Dead, Zombieland, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and Tucker Zombie and Dale. Is, yeah, There's, I love that. Uh, side of the genre yeah um so i guess i'll move on to my number one pick and that is alien by ridley scott i have so many fond memories attached to alien it is something that i grew up with it was a movie that my parents for some odd reason just love they want to watch it all the time Every time we're hanging out, we watch one of a handful of movies, and it's either Tombstone or Alien. And my parents never, never anticipate all of the things that happen in the film. Every time that, that, that chestburster comes out during the dinner scene, my mom screams and, and covers her eyes. And half of the fun of it is just watching my parents' reaction to it. And then there are these layers that go far beyond that cursory experience where it is a scary movie. It is a very suspenseful movie. It's one that is full of imagination, but there's so much psychosexual philosophy that is behind the film. You can really peel layers off of that film and look at it from a perspective of, you know, effectively what they were trying to do without getting too graphic, is make a horror movie that would make men afraid. Like, what if you were put in the precarious situations that you see women put into in horror films? If you felt powerless. Yes, if you felt powerless, what if What if you were the one who was you know, on trial here? And I think it's great that they found a really strong character in Sigourney Weaver's Ripley, and turned her into the hero of that franchise. I don't think it was originally conceived to be a female protagonist. But the thing is, is that she's not a strong female character. She's a strong character. And her gender had absolutely nothing to do with it. She just is a person who is accountable, responsible, intuitive, and absolutely takes no prisoners. She is a role model for men and women alike. Uh, but the rest of the film, I mean, there's so much behind the alien lore. There's so much uh, that so many creative minds that were involved in that project. And I think it's safe for me to say that I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with that franchise. I love learning more about xenomorphs i love how much mythology Which is the monster that's the yeah and i love learning more about that creature about its origins about everything surrounding it the artwork that follows those uh, uh that world is just mm -hmm. the creepiest it looks like you're looking at a black and white tool album almost you know like there's a lot of parallels there i guess you know and it always gets me because it's like it's sexual but it's also kind of very artistic looking i guess because yeah. i don't know if that's like the men in the style i guess you know but it's just so i don't know affronting to me but like it's like scary like there's nothing happening but it's scary to me you know? definitely hr gear's intent with that work is to have those themes resonating throughout it and i my sister bought me an alien art book years ago and i was leafing through it and it, i won't lie i was pretty uncomfortable looking <laughs> through it. I, I, it. It's just unsettling work. But I think he did a great job of bringing this whole new creature to life and making it feel real and palpable without overdoing it. And that's probably a place where the newer Alien films and its sequels kind of struggle. I, I, I will say, for when it comes to like scary movies... I am a fan of Alien. I think Alien is a terrific movie. Yeah. It is so smart. It is one of the smartest horror films. And it's like, how you were saying, it's a horror film, but it's also a thriller, and it's also just like, I don't know, it really gets you to think. Mm. And it, so yeah. it, it wasn't like the Freddy Krueger movies, and stuff, which I actually like some of those as well, but they're pretty like, it's, it's a slasher film, you know what you're going to get. Where Alien <laughs> really, really made you think it was very smart. I really have always loved Giger's work because it's just so out there, imaginative, and 
I just feel like you don't see. I mean, yeah, people are creative, but you don't don't see that quality these days. And he just did like the book you said. I've seen it, and his art is just. Some of it, you're just like, why am I looking at this? <laughs> but I can't not look at it. Yeah. Type thing. It's just beautifully done, and it's just, and it just brings about a lot of emotions. But uh, and then the alien, well, the xenomorph itself is probably to this day, you know, 38 years later, the one thing that can still just, after countless times of viewing, Alien, Aliens, Alien Three, just really put me on the edge of my seats. Yeah. Like it's coming, you know. It's or you know, where is it? What's gonna happen? You know, like even though I know that thing is just creepy as hell. When that mouth opens and then the little mouth comes yeah. out, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh no, wait!" Bonus, it also has acid. Like, yeah. like come on, man, these nightmares yeah. somewhere. Oh man. All right, so my last pick, um, which would be, I guess, my number three. I think I'm going out of order. Compared to everybody else, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I do, my own thing. <laughs> um, it was, I'd probably have to say it's Halloween, John Carpenter's, um, to, to take it to the more serious side of film viewing. <clears throat> um, I mean, it's called Halloween. You know, it's on Halloween, so I, just, I have to watch it every year. Um, and now Halloween 40, too. That's, I thought it was really good. But anyway, <clears throat> Halloween, uh, growing up, was just so creepy um pretty much up there with aliens you know like you just i didn't understand like you know as a kid <laughs> your first viewings of this thing it's like who is this what is like what is he why he's like not dying and just what's going on it's like that other dude with the hockey mask jason but like not like lot more, not you know terrifying more so, terrifying yeah just jason. he just creeps through the dark he's always there you know you just can't run from him he's and he's got this big knife um, and Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, is an amazing actress, amazing. and um, that was one of her early roles, and she did really well in it. And uh, what about that? Uh, the iconic music for the entire yeah. thing. Oh when God! You, when you hear it, you know. You know exactly yeah. what that is. Yeah. Even if you haven't seen the movie, it's just one yeah. of those things in like pop culture, yeah. our, or just yeah. our American culture. That like you just hear the name or the theme or whatever and you're like oh I know what that is. You yeah, like, see Darth have, Vader. Well I yeah, know I, what that is. I was just yeah. about to say it has that Star Wars theme. Like everyone knows the Star Wars theme. Yeah. Everyone knows the Halloween theme. Yeah. yeah. However, I remember seeing a game show relative a few years back. So I don't even know what it was. And the question was something about Darth Vader. And the girl was like, who is that? And I was like, I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, wait, you need to leave. because <laughs> That blew my mind because it's just common knowledge. Yeah. You know, you hear that theme and you just... Even if you hear it and you might not know, it's if it didn't creep you out, I'd be surprised. Because yeah. John Carpenter is just like the master of melody. Everything he scores is just incredible. Uh, you're walking around neighborhoods like late at night with lights off and all that stuff. Do you you kind of think of these kinds of films, don't you? I mean, like, oh, I do. Are, I freak myself out so much when I you know get around this time of year and the wind gets a little more crisp and stuff, <laughs> and you're always just like. Well, they could really have more lights out here, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I creep myself out. I creep myself out in my own house. Yeah. So it's like you would think after all these years of constantly battering my brain with horrible images like this, that I would just would, I'd go numb to it. But I don't. But also on the flip side, I know what not to do or what to do if I see anyone in my home that's not my girlfriend. <laughs> do not lock yourself in the closet like yes. Jamie Lee Curtis does. He'll see right through it. But I think uh, just a couple of things on Halloween. I think it's interesting that, like, John Carpenter came up with so many clever, inventive uses of the camera to yeah. really convey this unstoppable evil. And I think a lot of those methods and a lot of those shots that he uses and a lot of the pans are taken for granted now. And unfortunately, I think that at the time that movie was groundbreaking and now because those techniques are so commonplace because so many people drew inspiration from John Carpenter that it reduces the impact a little bit of Halloween. I mean, I think yeah. that it, it just, what made it unique at the time is now standard, but I guess that's something to be said in the film's credit is that it was, it set the it's, template. Yes, exactly. It set the standards. Um, it was you know, its own thing in its own time. And, uh, 
what I love about that movie and just like these older old movies and low budget movies in general is they really you got to get creative. You need yeah. people that can think seriously outside of the box, like the mask being just a Captain Kirk mask that they pulled off of the set for you know like and just what they just simply painting it white and ripping the sideburns off just made this face this empty just face that was horrific yeah or terrifying one of the things that always got me about that film is like how well it was able to shoot with the darkness you know shooting with a lot of dark shots and it was the absence of light it's so hard but also it kind of mimics that whole scenario we were all lying in our beds as children and all that stuff and you know the door was open the lights were off and your mind was always racing or a closet door was open or something like that you know like that's what I always think of when I think of that film is it plays on that fear like in the absence of definition our imagination takes over Mm. and I know my imagination is evil it's just (laughs) gonna like Try to scare me at any way possible, you know? Yeah, Yeah, what's that shape in the corner? Oh, my God. Oh, it's just my jacket that I threw on the lamp. (laughs) And that is one reason why I don't really watch a lot of scary movies because it it does put that fear. Like, I've seen Halloween. I've seen a a handful of them. And uh, I don't know how many there are now, but I've probably seen, like, five. (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) Out of that franchise. And some of them I really did enjoy because they were smart, good, Mm -hmm. you know, movies. But your, your imagination does drive you up the wall at times because it doesn't freak you out so much and it, and it scares you and puts that fear in you and Mike Myers definitely does that but I don't like feel, feeling that fear you know I don't like in my head I'm like you shouldn't feel this way like I don't want to feel this way I want to feel happy so I don't watch a lot of those scary movies but I will say that was an excellent pick with, with Halloween it was, and, it's, and it is just a legendary classic yeah yes definitely all right, so I'll go ahead and uh, say my, my number one pick here. And I'm going to go with a cartoon. And I'm going to go uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and, Mr. Uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which is essentially Sleepy Hollow. And, and I just loved watching the cartoon of Sleepy Hollow with Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. Great choice. Yeah. As, yes. as, a, as a kid, you know, watching the Disney movie, I just really fell in love with, the, with that whole story. The Headless Horseman is a terrific villain. Ichabod Crane, in a way, is a villain himself because he cares about absolutely nothing but himself and money. So he goes <laughs> to this town, and he's trying to like win over the girl there who is also just using him to make other people jealous, and he's using her for money, and he's just a horrible person is what he is. <laughs> and he's like a school teacher who comes into the town just trying to show off and I found out, I was doing like a little bit of research on it, and I found out that his name, Ichabod, means without glory. Oh, which is interesting. very, wow. very fitting. Wow. Because, yeah, um, yeah, which is, like I said, it's very fitting because he has no glory. He has nothing. He's a really terrible person. So that headless horseman, you know, had every right to chase him out of town. Um, but it is just a terrific story. It is perfect for the Halloween season. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really like movies or shows or whatever that leave open-ended. I like a movie that just ends, so you know exactly what happens. But in that story, it does it is open-ended. You don't know what happens to, to Ichabod at the end, and I kind of like that. That's probably one of the only movies that, you know, that doesn't have a complete closing where you know exactly what happens that I'm okay with. Maybe you should write a sequel where Ichabod comes back as the next Headless Horseman and starts terrorizing the town. And market it as family friendly. Yeah. Um, I, 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 the way that I look at that story is that it's so quintessentially the American horror story. It paints this image of the New England... Oh, yes. In fall, oh, and, yes. and that that's so categorically Halloween. It yeah. gets the spirit of the season so right, and that's exactly how I imagine fall and Halloween when I think about it is that that template. And even if you watch, yes, you know, the Sleepy Hollow part, and again, the movie also, the Disney movie also came with Mister Toad mm-hmm. in there. And that movie is, you know, pretty terrifying as well because they send that dude to hell, like at the yeah. end of the movie. Oh yeah, like, yeah. like so. <laughs> That's a Disney movie where the guy goes to hell. You know, like, yeah. that's pretty pretty intense. Before I go to my pick, I will say, though, the Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp was a really 
it, it surprised me how good that film was, you know. And if I had, uh, you know, a, a longer list, I probably would have thrown that on there, like maybe like top 15 or something like that. Nice. Yeah, on there, because it actually, I remember watching it years ago and being like, huh. I watched it whole through without nodding <laughs> off. Not bad. And that's usually my way of saying thumbs up. You yeah. did all right, movie. I didn't nod off. So nice. speaking of that, a film that does not let you nod off, because if you don't pay attention, you're actually going to find yourself in a pretty scary way, is my favorite film, and I'm sure lots of others, to get ready for the season is Evil Dead 2 by Woo! Sam Raimi. Dead by Dawn! Dead by Dawn! Join us! Uh, this film is... <laughs> What can I say about it that has been said already? It has zombies. It has a cabin out in the woods in the middle of nowhere. It has old cars. It has a, you know, a boisterous main character with uh, friends that are falling around on an adventure. There's evil twists and a spirit that follows around. There's a chainsaw <laughs> or anything else and a boomstick and quotes that live throughout the ages. And uh, all these things kind of point to the fact that it is a when you look back at it and you're like yes this was a film that had a low budget it was uh i think i was reading earlier that uh, uh stephen king actually ha- helped them find the money to put this film into production because mm-hmm. you know the first evil dead you know, was something that they you know when you go back and watch evil dead 2 they kind of summarize evil dead yep. 1 in like five minutes they're like yeah i'm just gonna stand here and yell and that's basically <laughs> it, you know? a little not back to it and everything but Evil Dead 2 is when the budget comes around. It's kind of like, okay, Sam, the director, is like, imagine uh, his vision actually comes forth and you get to see a little bit more. It's still not a very high quality film, but the film uh, aspects that they did invest in were like prosthetics and, you know, makeup. And uh, it, it really brings you into where you're like, oh, I think Bruce Campbell is actually going to chop his arm off. <laughs> oh, he did. Oh, he did. And there's just like all these little. Like things I enjoy, uh, the little nod I think to uh, uh, what was it, Adam's family with having a, a hand run around and everything. That's oh yeah. Think of. When you think of that, you know, it's like really cool stuff. Uh, the reason why I ended up uh, choosing out of all these films, like this was my number one, is because of you mentioned it earlier, the Alamo Draft House. Uh, no. We went and did a Alamo uh, Draft House party where they gave us props and we kind of you know, sang along and, uh, you know, uh, played along with the film and everything. Drew, uh, remind me, we got a styrofoam chainsaw that fit over our hand. What yep. else did we get for uh, goodies? Uh, what oh. else did they give us during that? They gave us, didn't they give us paper plates? Oh, paper plates are smashing. Yeah. Uh, in that scene where you smash them all in the kitchen and everything. Yeah. yeah. Didn't we get a popper for yes, the big... popper for the uh, boomstick and everything. Oh my yeah, gosh. yeah, yeah. But later on, actually, at another film, we went and saw Mad Max. They actually gave us actual pop guns and everything, you know, Actual cap guns. Actual cap guns. What? And we were lighting those things off left and right, you know, so that was absolutely... If you're listening to this and and you see Alamo Drafthouse has a movie party in your neck of the woods, absolutely go. Absolutely do it. It's amazing. But Evil Dead 2 has this... What what really appeals to me is just the madcap humor of it and how it it really feels like a Looney Tunes cartoon, but just with copious amounts of blood. One of the things I think they did very well with the uh, uh, actual shooting of the film was they, and I, you know, I'm not the biggest movie guy, but I saw it a lot in this film, is that they were very uh, selective, but they did it a lot where they did tight zooms yeah. on the faces, yeah. you know, and this kind of showed, you know, you're, you're used to seeing actors from so far away and everything, you know, but when you see a man, they're like, oh, we need to convey that he's losing his marbles. We have Bruce Campbell, that helps. But let's really just zoom in closely to his film, let him smile or smirk, and you're like, this guy <laughs> actually lost his damn mind while uh, doing this film, you know, so. Uh, so you mentioned about, you know, you're talking about the camera work and a little bit about low budget and stuff, and that's another great example of awesome directors uh-huh. and people that think outside of the box and have to just be innovative, and because, um, like, a really good example is an Evil Dead 1, um, you know, the creepy shot at the very in the intro yeah, where they're going yeah. through the bog. Like, that's just uh, apparently it was Bruce Campbell holding the camera in a boat. Well, I think it was Raimi was just pushing it through the oh, swamp and it just, just the shot. So they had to just, you know, work with what they've got. And it's amazing what, you know, a lot of people don't care about that stuff, but, or, you know, think it's crappy or cheesy, but it, I think it's amazing. And I would love to 
watch a film be filmed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially like a low budget one, because I would love to be around that kind of creativity. Yeah, and I think you really hit the nail on the head there, Jason, the innovation aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Doing something new that hasn't been done before using limited resources. But uh, if anyone in our listening audience is interested, you can look on YouTube for Evil Dead in Three Minutes. And you can see that Ryan and his brother Spencer and a few other folks and I got together and did a sweeted version of the film. <laughs> so if you want to see a ketchup-soaked screaming Ryan uh, with a cardboard chainsaw out the middle of the Shenandoah Valley, that's the place to see it, Evil Dead in three minutes. <laughs> Some would say it was about the same quality as the original Evil Dead. Uh, <laughs> That, that's giving us a lot of credit there, right, guy? But I wanted to just say thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. This has been a terrific discussion. Uh, I know that you out there in our listening audience probably have your own passions, whether you're a horror movie fan or not. I think everyone has something special uh, for the fall season that they like to enjoy and celebrate and watch. So if you have thoughts on that, get in touch with us. Send us your thoughts and feelings. Scott's going to tell you how. Um, so we have a Facebook page. It's DRS Top Picks. That's where you could find us. Um, we would love to hear any input that you have. Uh, you can download our show at Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Breaker, Overcast, and Radio Public. So we're on a, a handful of places here. Scott, now you're just making stuff up. Yeah, I know. But, but I, I'm looking at it right now where we're at. I was like, I haven't even heard of some of these places. You can find us on there. Whisper yeah. and Donkey Net. <laughs> but we're at, you know, Anchor, uh, Google Podcast, Spotify, and, you know, some of the other big ones. And, we're, again, Facebook is DRS Top Picks. So, and if you would, if you have any suggestions for the show, just get in touch with one of us. We would love to, to hear what, what future episodes you have in mind, or you can post it on our Facebook page or whatever. Um, and if you would like to be a guest on the show, let us know that as well. We have a handful of people who want to be on, so we only do one or two episodes a month, so it might take some time. But we do have a list of everyone who has said that they wanted to be on it, and we'll, and we'll, and we'll get you on there at some point. Um, so... This episode, I don't. I, this has been really fun to do. I don't know a lot of you know scary movies, so this actually you know made me you know want to check out a few more and rewatch Alien. I'm not gonna lie, I definitely want to go and do that. Our next episode, uh, Ryan is is in charge of picking it, and he wants to do something related to Star Wars. So it's gonna be a Star Wars theme, which would be very fitting because you got the new movie coming out in December, so just a couple months from Ooh. now. So thanks again for listening. I'm Scott Vassalotti. I'm Ryan Kite. I'm Drew Martin. And I'm Jason Wolf. Thank you.